Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And this week, uh, it's just the two of us, and we are going to follow up on covering the sixth and the seventh seal. We kind of buzzed through seals one through five. We did. And we promised we would follow up with six and seven. Then we kind of forgot. Uh, And so we're circling back to the sixth and seventh seal. You can find those in Revelation chapter six and actually chapter eight. Yeah. Um, So it's not necessary. So it's plausible that John forgot, right? Yes. We're just following his lead. Yeah. Because he got got distracted (laughs) in chapter seven. So we'll just blame it on John. So we want to... uh, we want to dive into that today, and if you're new to the podcast, um, we are going through the, Re- the book of Revelation in a series we're calling The Big Reveal each and every Sunday at Conduit, and maybe you're new to listening to this and you're not in Franklin, you're not in Tennessee, Middle, Middle Tennessee, you can always watch our live stream uh, at 10 a.m. Central each and every Sunday. We also have our YouTube channel, just youtube.com slash conduit church and all of our previous services are hosted there as well so you can catch up at any time and before we start today i actually wanted to celebrate a little bit of a good news for us because we've uh as a church family have been actively engaging in helping free slaves in southeast asia i can't actually say the country on here but it's southeast asia uh, and if you don't know this, uh, you won't be alone because most of the world doesn't know this. I mean, Mo, did you know? No, I, I mean this is all this is all new information in the past couple months. Yeah, yeah. I I first came across this slavery concept of what's happening in modern day, standing on the northern shores of North Africa, and encountering sub-Saharan Africans who have made it all the way there. They have literally spent everything, all the money they have, just to get here. And then they're stuck and they're trapped because they've been robbed or whatever. So they end up in slavery. Like literally right now in Libya, someone can go into Libya and buy a slave off of wow. a platform just like it's uh, the you know 1700s in the United States. So that really uh, wrecked me. And because uh, whatever, I guess I could just declare Enneagram 5. I've just spent a lot of time processing yeah. that. Um, But at the same time, as I learned and researched and and I figured out and learned that there actually are more slaves alive right now in modern, like today, in slavery than from the entire European uh, American slave trade in the, yeah, for those 400 years. There's more right now. And one of those places is in Southeast Asia where there are 4.5 million people who live like this. They are 20,000 of these brick kilns, uh, their entire uh, economy is actually propped up by that. But that said, uh, do do yourself a favor, Google it, research it, pray about it. But we've figured out that at least in this country, we can actually buy their freedom from them, uh, for them. Um, the way the laws are in this country, as long as their quote unquote debt is paid, uh, they're free to go. So they can't just go get them and take them back. So we have as a church family, on average, about I think total about $1,500 on average is what we've spent per family, which includes getting them out. It includes getting them back to their homes, 
most of them have homes to go to. Um, wow. and, 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 you know, so yeah, think about that. You've been taken out of your home. You, Micah, Gabe, Jen, and I've been making bricks with no hope of ever getting home. So 10 years later, they're going home. Mm. Uh, but it does allow them to also get started in a life again. And um, while we haven't said it's only Christian families that we would do this for, it is primarily, well, it's only been Christian families so far because this is a primarily Muslim country and these people are being treated horribly in these brick kilns. Is that one of the reasons why they have been relegated to a brick kiln is because of their faith? No, the, the culture itself allows for it. It's like our version of a payday loan, um, but with like on steroids, right? In America, you get your payday loan, which I recommend you don't do this. Dave Ramsey is watching. He'll come and get you. <laughs> uh, but here they come and get your bass boat or your sea do or whatever that you've. T- but in this country, they actually come and get you if you don't make your payments. Oh, wow. And your children. And if you die, so like my debt, I, I get it. And by the way, everybody we freed so far, the average starting debt is about two to four hundred dollars, and it's one hundred percent so far been for medical bills. Okay, um, they're not out there buying like a sea do, right? Like, yeah, to go to go uh, to the lake. So these are mostly medical debt driven. Yeah, they're just trying to stay alive. Yeah, and if your wife is sick and she's dying and it's two hundred dollars, and what you know, what would you do? Yeah. You'd do anything. Absolutely. So they, that's what happens. They go get the debt. They, but if they can't pay it, then they go back. They're taken to this. And then, like say, I die while I'm in this captivity. Then they come and get my son. So if Ethan's grown, 21, 20, whatever, they'll come get him and his family and bring them to the kiln. And it's paid off a dollar. They, their average is like a dollar a day that they're getting paid. But they've got to pay for room and board while they're there. It's just perpetual. Yeah. It's literally, a ne- it's hopeless. I don't know how else to say it other than that. Um, and, but that's true whether you're Muslim or Christian, okay? right? Uh, because it's just part of their system. The entire economy of this country is obviously propped up by that. But if you are a Christian inside of that, and this is, most people don't know this, I don't think, but right now, the Christians around the world are being persecuted more than ever. So even uh, in one of the other countries in Asia where we're feeding people right now, uh, USAID is there. There's, they're getting UN help. But if you're a Christian, you're not getting that help because there might be a Muslim in between you and the help. So you're not getting it. And they're purposefully excluding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. Based upon someone's declaration of yeah. their faith. Yeah. And by the way, if you just decide to become a Muslim, then you're in. Like that's, It's oh, really wow. simple. Wow. Uh, convert to Islam and you're in. You aren't true. But if you're not that and you're Christian, so these Christians are, are they're, man, they're being persecuted. They're being, and we've just, the, ter- the stories are terrible. Uh, sexual abuse, forced conversion, marriage, that, uh, that's the bad news. But the good news is, is that Conduit right now has 25 families that we have freed. It's amazing. That represents well over 100 people. We just got this morning news and word for 14 more families yeah uh families be, not individuals oh yeah yeah families right family units yeah so we're talking this represents probably about 150 people including their children yeah uh that within the next eight to ten days uh will be free it's amazing right uh it's i've been excited about it because it i don't know it, it when I see something unjust, like a lot of us do, you want to do something, but you don't know what to do. And sometimes there's nothing you can do. So we don't do anything, but 
sometimes there's something you can do. And by the way, that's kind of what these seals are about. I, I didn't mean this to be the segue for that, yeah. but it is the segue for that. Because the seals, these seven seals of revelation, Jesus opening up is Jesus coming back and setting things right. He's going to do something about all the stuff that you couldn't do anything about. Yeah. So I think freedom inspires. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, freedom in of itself is inspiring. I mean, it's the message of the gospel, obviously freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason I bring that up is just on my way here, right before I left the office, someone dropped off a check uh, to help this. Really? Yeah, to help this effort because they're inspired by what's happening. They, they, like you said a second ago, people don't know how to help. All they maybe can do is at least help finance someone's freedom. Yeah, at the very least. And yeah, yeah so someone someone dropped That's off the check cool, over man. here. So. And by the way, on this uh, on the middle here, there's a check I was supposed to bring on Sunday, but I forgot. So if you could take that with you, that's one for take it back to the office. Yeah. Reach Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. Thank you guys. Uh, it's like twenty three hundred dollars that they yeah we'll gave. go a really long way. I mean, just do yeah. the math. I mean, that's two to three family units. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's it's amazing what that can do, and so yeah, that's exciting. It's really cool. Um, and I think that. Again, I know I feel like I'm a broken record, but if we're reading Revelation and all we're thinking about is like the titillating experiences and the movies and all, we're totally missing this. Right. Um, because what it should do on the one hand is if you are someone in a brick kiln in an Asian country, it in, it's hopeful for you because there's going to be justice. And if we're someone who happens to be blessed enough lucky enough, whatever, I don't even know what your theology would call that, but to not be there, then we get to be a part of helping that, which is why Jesus in Matthew 24, when he's talking about this, uh, this time that was going to come on this earth of last days, that in chapter 25, he then says, hey, but you need to be feeding those who are hungry, giving water to those who are thirsty, visiting those who are in prison, the least of these brothers of mine, um, in fact, we're all going to be standing before the judgment seat of Christ one day. And I don't know what all is we're going to talk about. Yeah. But I know he's going to ask that question. Did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you give me water? And man, for those of you, and by the way, if you're listening to this right now and you are, you think, man, I'm in Canada, I'm in England, I'm in New York, wherever I am, and you want to help with this, go to conduitchurch.com and uh, the donate button. We have a little thing that says operate freedom. And 100% of what goes into that fund is going right to bringing freedom to these families. So I, I want to say that at least. Um, and then to this, to these seals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we we covered the first five. Yes. Um, and as a reminder, these seals are uh, property ownership. But that, that's it's an image from the Old Testament from Jeremiah 32. Uh, it's in Ezekiel as well. That in Jewish culture, so it would have been almost like um, in our culture, someone says, hey, go down to the title company uh, and sign papers. We know that that's a, per- that's a property purchase. Here it's, uh, hey, get these seven seals, get this document. It's two sides. It's going to be seals on it. The Jewish they, people would have known, oh, they're talking about a property document. That, that's a, a mortgage, so to speak, for them. And uh, what the Old Testament, in fact, right there in Jeremiah, you see it again, but it's like, uh, if that property were to go into foreclosure, okay, there's the, the brick kilns. Yeah. Here is what has to be done to get the property back. And in uh, in, in this country, uh, it's we're, we're going to pay this money, and then they get their lives back. 
And by the way, the uh, the pictures they're actually signing these papers and they're having to put their thumbprints on them. Right. Because many are illiterate. But one of the most shocking mm. things to me is watching the little children having to put their thumbprints Make on their it mark. Because the debt belongs to them as well. Even wow. though it was their father's debt or their mother's debt, it's their debt. That said, that seal for them, is this has been paid. And what an incredible way, if any of those families aren't believers and they don't know the gospel, what an incredible, easy, perhaps, oh. way to... Right. Explain the gospel. And if you're listening right now, don't know the gospel. Put down your chick track. Put down your gospel track. And th that's what Jesus did. He came to pay the debt that you owe, that right. I owe. And so when these seals are being opened is actually this debt being paid for those who refuse to let him pay it for them. Yes. Romans tells us, I think it's Romans 3, whatever, that the wages of sin is death. Yeah, there's a cost. Yeah. And so this is the answer to that prayer for those who have rejected Christ, for those who've said, I don't want you to be Lord over me. I'm going to do it my way. That's what these seals are. And those first five, I just encourage you to go back and listen. I cannot go through it today, but they sort of are like this representation of like every civilization that's ever gone through of, of you know, choosing the wrong leader, putting their hope in that, and ultimately ending up with uh, the, the fifth seal, which is the martyrs, Christians being martyred, mm -hmm. um, which is happening all over the world in a way that's never happened before, not just in one country, but multiplicity of countries. I think one of the things we're guilty of as Americans is that if it's not happening to us, it's not happening anywhere. Like we're, we're so, oh, we yeah. can be so selfish in a way, um, and not thinking that just because it's not happening here, that it's not happening globally. Yeah, yeah. And I, I and you know, it's funny. I, I guess I would, uh, and this is what you mean when you say that. But that's just such a human thing to do. Yeah. And in America specifically, we have this ability to sort of just think of this only as an American thing. Which, by the way, when I start reading these people being uh, this death and destruction in chapter six, or yeah, six, and then in chapter eight, it, it sits a little wrong with me because. Well, I've never been imprisoned. I've never been beaten. I've never been uh, Meanwhile, crucified. Yeah, it's happening yeah. across the globe to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. So put yourself in their shoes when I read these words. Um, think of uh, okay, we've we've freed twenty five families. There's fourteen more on the way, but there's hundreds of thousands of people that are not going to get this opportunity. Many of which are Christians, and when they read these words, being beaten by a Muslim. Uh, kiln owner, their daughter raped and sexually assaulted. Uh, where's the justice for me? That's Revelation 5. How long, Lord, before you, right? How long, O Lord? And as the sixth seal, chapter 6, verse 12, I opened, I, I, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black. Uh, the moon was turned uh, blood red. That's reminiscent of Joel, uh, Ezekiel, the prophecies that were there. Stars fallen to earth. Uh, the heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up. I'm fascinated by that <laughs> because of the, I mean, for years, that would have, oh, that's probably metaphor or whatever. But if you look at Einstein's theory of relativity and how he thinks that time bends and you see any picture of Einstein's theory of relativity when he talks about time it literally looks like a scroll a piece of paper that's folding Folded, yeah so this I, it, 
part of me thinks, is this God saying, and this is when time goes away. I created time, but we don't need time anymore. I'm going to roll this up and put it away. Yeah, because he said it receded. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up. And then it says this, the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone both slave and free hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. In verse 16, it says that they called to the mountains and the rocks. And then that hilarious because they didn't cry to the rock. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my salvation, or, you know, my church, you, Jesus, the rock, uh, fallen us and hide us. They're calling on the rocks because yeah. that feels like a better option to them than mm. what's happening. Uh, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. That that phrase right there, I don't want to miss it. The face of him, Exodus thirty three twenty. God told Moses, "No man can see my face and live." Right. And Moses, being a good negotiator, I think he was a guardian, probably any great. He's Mo. <laughs> He's you. <laughs> he's talking to God all the Mo time. He, Moses. Yeah. He did amazing things. But he then says, hey, well, can you at least you know, hide me? So basically, he hides Moses in a rock. Interesting. And then he says, and I, I'll let my goodness pass in front of you. Mm-hmm. Because what does God look like? He looks like goodness. And Moses being hidden for that moment could s- survive. But this is reminiscent. There's no way they could not have thought of that moment. Right. Of hiding in the rocks in the face of him. And the fact is, is that if we want to stand in his presence without the work of Christ in our lives, without us being clothed in him, without us being made righteous by his work, if that's how we want to choose, then if we are in his presence, then we will die. And that's what's happening. His face is being shown now on the, on the earth. And it's, I don't know, I think it's fascinating because it. He says that the, the, the rich and the mighty, but also the slave and the free, everyone else, everyone else who has not right received the work of, of Christ, who is actually, and what that means is that I, it's not that you didn't just sign a piece of paper. It's just that I'm rejecting my designer's design for me. I'm rejecting the way that he has created this to be. And whether you're rich or you're poor, right, whether you're a slave or you're free. Whether you're the kiln owner or you're the slave, you both need the same redemption of Jesus. And if you reject it, you're both going to hide in the same rocks. You're both going to have the same situation. Whether you're standing in front of the cross of Christ, which is the level playing ground, right? Slave or free, neither right. Jew nor Gentile nor female nor male, whatever. That's there is. It's all equal in heaven, but in the same way, it's all equal in judgment. True. And look, he's saying it right here that... This isn't a race problem that we've got in America. It's not a class problem. Uh, there are problems with you know, equitable distribute all those things that you might hear, but it's it's a sin problem at the end of the day. And anything that we're going to try to do here is literally just going to be that is just trying to rearrange the the, the whatever the chairs on the Titanic. Yeah, isn't it interesting how humanity uh, has found a way since the beginning to put us into categories and these classes division yeah rich poor slave you know male female um it's it's been from the beginning how we've tried to order things who who's better who deserves um 
and then Christ comes along and says, all have yes. sinned. Like there is like, you know, the phrase, you know, the ground is level at the cross. I mean, that's just true. It's yeah. just factual. Like there is no hierarchy in the kingdom other than he's the king. Which is a big deal. If you're, so if, you're the, if you're the Jewish people that were first reading this in the first century, that was big news because you thought that I was, I was the only one getting in on this. Right. Right. Because of the promises to Abraham. And there happened to, oh, but no, every tribe, nation, tongue, we're all there. Like this call is to all of us. And as a Gentile. Right. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> Correct. You know? <laughs> and when I see this even, I don't know, like this, the cry for justice from chapter five. How long, oh Lord? You know, why is it that the mighty and the free, the slave, the everyone else, that everyone is suffering the same consequence? The, the cry for justice that we're even seeing in our own country. And if you're listening to this and if you are uh, black, if you're Asian, if you're Latino, you you have experienced something specific to you because of, of the color of your of your skin. Um, that is damnable. It is not Jesus. It's not the kingdom of God. And it is not unique to the United States of America. Right. Uh, what's happening in uh, this country with these brick kilns. These are brown people and brown people. Right. But exactly. they've separated according to certain things. But that's just demonic. It's just... And I don't want to like... I don't know. I don't want to like belittle this. But I mean, I grew up a poor white trash kid in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. And if you've ever been picked on or bullied or because of you didn't have any money or what, like that was me, you know, the, it, in gym class, I was like always the second last to be chosen when we chose teams, like we should like line us up for public humiliation. But I was <laughs> usually second to last because, well, I will take Tyler because at least he's funny. Like that way, I at least wouldn't have to go last. Right. Like Lori Pearson, God bless you, Lori, wherever you are, <laughs> bless your heart. She was always last. I was second last, but. But we would immediately begin to, it's just this thing inside of us. What is it? James says, what is warring among you? Isn't it not your selfish strife, your ambitions, your, your pride? Your, that's the core of it all. And starting with even Lucifer. Yeah. Right? In a lot of ways. Thought in could, every way, yeah. In every way. I mean, that kind of got the whole ball rolling. And when you think of it from that, and if it's, how is this, like, where's there even justice in this? of slave or free. And, and I'll say this because I've experienced it and I've also perpetrated it. Mm. Even if you're the one that's been picked on, isn't it amazing how fast, and if you're one of those people that when you got the chance to do it to someone else, how fast you'd stick it to them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, we joke about it on the road that, you know, the, these young bands, they'd have to go out and pay their dues, like being hazed as a college freshman. You know, if you're the opening to the opening band of the whatever, you're kind of treated like crap. Mm -hmm. You know, and very few bands said, hey, look, shout out to Mercy Me, because there's one of them very specifically. That's Those guys, story. they were always kind to the opening bands. Yes. So it's like they remembered what it was like, you know? Yes. But I'll tell you this much, and you, you Cutlass Boys or whatever, like you're listening, like you get to that point, it's hard to not buy into the idea that now I need to treat this person the way I was treated. Mm -hmm. And I say that, that seems sort of shallow and belittling, but I promise you, if you go to a small town, a small village with me, whether it's in East Africa or in South Asia, the poorest people do the same thing. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, again, in these brick kilns, these are slaves 
besides slaves in the same situation. But if you're a Muslim slave and a Christian slave, you treat the Christian slave like crap. Uh, Abuse them, marginalize them. So my point where the justice is in this is that at the end of the day, you can blame it on the caste system. You can blame it on the billionaire. Whatever you blame it on, but it's not. It's sin. And that's what Jesus is coming to do. And the justice in this is this. If someone is coming here to my home to kill my family, to abuse my family, to kill them, and I kill them before they kill my family, is that an act of justice or is it an act of mercy? Mm. And the answer is yes, because it is an act of mercy to the one who is going to be killed, right? To the one who the, the, the murderer, whatever right. is coming to get to my wife, that's an act of mercy, right? And these folks that, that this scripture speaks of are those who are raging against. I mean, Jesus is throughout the book of Revelation. He's got angels flying through the atmosphere. He's got 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams. It's like, please don't <laughs> come, come to me. And these that are those crying out to the rocks are still the ones saying, look, I know I saw an angel. I saw these two witnesses killed, raised from the dead. I know I saw all this stuff and I'm still raging against. So imagine a millennial kingdom where these people still exist. And are still going to go on and want to go on and carry and uh, and continue to murder, continue. So there's an act of mercy here, maybe not to the person who is uh, crying out for the rocks, but to the people who would have been continued, the martyrs under the how long, O oh Lord, to those people, this is an act of mercy. Isn't there uh, a bit of an ir- irony happening in America right now? Um, I think of specifically Seattle and Portland, where they're raging against the injustices yeah with uh by by creating new borders enforcing it with guns and with violence right and violence like I, I don't know if, if 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 those listening have been paying attention to what's happening in portland but i think they're on day oh gosh 60 is it 60 it's over 60 it was 60 was a couple days ago yeah so. in day almost 70 now wow of of violence like violent riots targeting individuals now they have gone to people's homes they are they are ravaging setting fire businesses that maybe look different or think differently than they do um, all in the name of justice and yeah it's obviously failing miserably well yeah it's failing because what they're doing is they want to tear down one system but if you tear down like there's got to be something to replace it with right which um I don't know. I've I've actually found it entertaining because uh, that's not true. I found it maddening. Chip Dodd would say, no, Darren, that's anger Uh, (laughs) or you're hurt. I don't know. Hurt. I'm something. But what I'm watching, it's almost like someone at CNN is trying to find the most obnoxious picture with the most obnoxious. So that the picture yesterday with the buildings on fire and talking about these peaceful protests and I don't know who, I think it was Ben Shapiro that said that the idea of mostly peaceful, that by that definition, (laughs) that on the day that OJ Simpson murdered his wife, he had a mostly peaceful day. Like it was a mostly Mostly peaceful peaceful. OJ on that day. Right. Except for those couple of minutes where I lost my mind. But other than that, it was mostly peaceful. It's madness. Uh, Yeah. But to, to say that, like it's, they, at the core of it, okay, I've got friends, uh, black friends who've told me that they, you know, they, they've been, uh, in their own neighborhoods, like they're nervous to let their kids go jogging. These they're not uh, making this up. Like there's there's fear in their lives of very legitimate, real problems that are sinful and damnable. 
that I would love to see. I mean, uh, Jeff Schulte told me that he's got two young boys that he had adopted that were black kids that are grown up in his home. And he said, you know, I've had to have those talks with them about, you know, here's what you do when you're pulled over by a policeman. Here's, you know, there's things that they have to do. So, so those are actually a legitimate problem, a legitimate sin in our country. But then the idea then that's happening, at least what seems to be from what I'm seeing is, so we need to burn down the whole system. Now, here's what I think is interesting, Mo. That's actually what Jesus is doing here. Right. In chapter six and seven. He would agree and say, you know what? This system in this world is kind of bad. It's not only kind of bad, like it's really bad. And it's not just bad in the United States. It's the whole world. And so he's come to burn it down. But the difference being that in Portland, Seattle, Washington, D.C., Kenosha, Wisconsin, he didn't come to burn it down and to kill innocent people and to steal their stuff. He's come to redeem them, to make them innocent. And so the only people left who will be in this fire, in this judgment, will be the guilty ones, not yeah. the, the innocent ones. So he's going to give perfect justice. But the problem with us trying to do it our way like that, when you're burning it and you're stealing, there's, you know, st there's innocent people's homes that are being robbed and stolen and businesses being burned down. And, uh, and I understand protest. I understand speaking out. Uh, we, we I mean, honestly, what are we doing in, in Southeast Asia? We're protesting injustice, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we want it to be different and better. But man's attempt, I mean, look, Every one of these Antifa folks, I mean, they are typing their little messages and uh, tweets on devices that are created with elements uh, mined by slave children in West Africa. That is just a true story. Right. So they want to bring justice to the world while meanwhile, you, holding in their hand a device that the, the elements created that were mined in West Africa. And I know you can say, oh, Apple and they're doing better now. But look at what they're doing. They basically put a document with the federal government that says we tried really, really hard to not get these elements for our iPhones. To, we wanted it to be conflict free. So we did our best. 100% there is no way to know that they did or did not. It's just like the honor system. And look, I'm telling you, you go to West Africa, Liberia, just on the western coast, there are children, three, four, five years old, working 10, 12 hour days with slave masters, creating stuff that goes into the device that you are, if you're Antifa, that you're typing on right now, that goes into your device. And you, you, let's say they succeeded and it wasn't, this iPhone doesn't have stuff that was mined in West Africa. It was still created and assembled in China, which right now is imprisoning two million Uyghur Muslims. They've shaved their heads. They put them in forced education camps. Like this, Jesus is burning down this world because it's, this is a bad world. So if you're Antifa, I'm saying you're, you're actually onto something. You're just, you're doing it wrong. Uh, because this is what Jesus is actually coming to do. And look, before, if you're a Christian, you're thinking, ah, Darren, I noticed you are also recording on a, an Apple computer. You are using the same technology. You're right. I am. I'm living in the Genesis 3 world that you are living in as well. And I thought about that, like Jesus using the technology of the day that they had. Those Roman roads, by the way, that's actually technology. That changed 
the world, the, the stone. Yeah. And if you've traveled through Europe or Israel, you've seen these roads that were created by Romans, but they weren't by Romans. They were slave labor. Correct. <laughs> so Jesus was in that same world. And so, in, you know, Jesus now coming back, it is slave and free. And by the way, when you see the people that are standing before the throne, every nation, tribe and tongue, in that there will be princes and kings and there will be poor, there will be rich, there will be free, there will be slave, every, there will be all of them standing before the throne because the same grace offered to me and to Mo is offered to everyone. And I say that to say that our gig here cannot be to burn down civilization. Uh, we've been, this is the fallen world that we're in. And we have this blessing and this opportunity to create outposts of Eden here. Because someday, Revelation 22 tells us, it's going to be like it was in Eden. There's going to be no hunger. There's going to be no nakedness, no thirst, no tears. He said that in chapter 7, I'm going to wipe away all the tears. No one's going to thirst. The sun's not going to beat down on you anymore. That he, If you're going to tear it down, you better know what you're building it into. And what Jesus is going to build it into is the way that it was always meant to be. And that's, uh, it's the hope for me. It's the hope for my wife and my children. It's the hope if you're suffering with cancer right now. It's the hope if you're a slave in the Middle East right now, that someday that it will be not only right, it will be better than right. It will be perfect. Uh, and look, I, I do want to say this. When we start talking about this stuff, lawlessness, because uh, that's really what they're advocating for. Uh, and I say they, meaning specifically defund the police folks. There are, there are some who would say, we just need to rearrange the funding. I would say, this is Darren, one, this is my opinion. The last thing you need to do right now is to defund law enforcement because we need to be training to be spending money on training. The average police, uh, we went through handgun training, whatever, the average policeman, they have less handgun training than you and I had in two or three days when we do handgun training because yeah. we just don't fund them that way. So I, I would say that's a foolish move, by, by the way. But but to defund that, to the Bible says, uh, Matthew 24, Jesus again, talking about a time that was coming, that because of the increase in lawlessness, right, the love of many will grow cold. And our challenge uh, as a church, as Jesus people, is to not let that happen to us. Man, it's so easy to get cynical. It's so easy to get angry, to type in the I am done with this, all caps or whatever. Uh, but we can't do that. And we can't let our love grow cold because of that. Because it, it seems so hopeless to see all this nonsense and craziness. And, and that's true if you're, uh, if you're one of my black friends, uh, brothers, sisters that feel the, 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 the racism that you've had. How do you not grow cynical in that? How do you not let your gr love grow cold? If you are me uh, a white guy in middle tennessee and i'm seeing lawlessness everywhere and how do i how do i not let my love grow cold you know the answer is uh what he said in ephesians or ephesians he said it to <laughs> oh man to the church uh i think it was ephesus but i might be wrong revelation 3 but you know return to your first love remember from where you came remember what happened and don't let that happen to us easy to get angry with the quote unquote realities around us. But the truth is, is that there is one reality. That's what revelation tells us. And that is Jesus, the lamb on the throne. The quote that you brought up on Sunday, um, they got a, a lot of response, um, is from Marcus Aurelius. 
And the quote is this, the object of life is not to be on the side of the majority, but to escape finding oneself in the ranks of the insane. Marcus Aurelius. First of all, that is an excellent name. I love that name. Right? I wish my mom and dad could go back and do that one over. But Marcus Aurelius, uh, the last emperor of Pax Romana. I think it's 161 AD to 180. So this is about 150 years after Jesus has ascended. And by the way, Christians are still being persecuted while Marcus Aurelius is on. But he was a Stoic. He was a philosopher. And what was interesting to me was that what he was tapping into as a philosopher is still true today, which is that just because a majority of people believe it does not make it true. And what he's tapping into is that it's not only not make it true, it's honestly dangerous because crowd psychology, when you've got that many people together believing one thing, most often not only is it not true, it's crazy. So when he says on the ranks of the insane, uh, that's kind of, I mean, I don't know if you felt that lately, but I'm looking around going, man, have these people lost their minds? Every day. Right? And, <laughs> and, when, I, and when I see, like, whether it's headlines from legacy media, whether, whatever it is, I, I think, and the answer is, yeah, it, it is, they have lost their minds because their, their mind is no longer their own. They are now sold into the crowd, of the mindset of, of a crowd. And I would say that if there's one thing as Christians we've got to remember is that being popular, that me saying something that everybody likes does not make it true. Correct. And there are things that are true that are not popular. Yes. Just because we are being mocked, right? And and whether it's people that I respect, like Joe Rogan, or people that I don't, re- well, I won't say who I don't respect, but people on what, that, that are not, that are secular humanists, you know, they view certain things that you or I would believe because it's true, the reality, and they would mock it, uh, diminish it, scoff at it. And our temptation would be to say, well, then I'm not going to hold to that, or I'm not going to speak out loud. And by the way, that's happening, I believe, a lot right now. There's a lot of beliefs because I've seen it on social media. I'm watching some friends saying some things that are from a completely different vantage point and they're saying it loud. They're saying it with lots of exclamation points. And I feel like, man, I can't say what I really think right now or what I believe to be true. Yeah. Because it's just going to cause a big fight. Right. Totally. And I would say that Marcus Aurelius says it very accurately here. You know, he's just saying kind of what Jesus said is that, you know what? They hated me. They're really going to hate you, too, Mm -hmm. because they hated me. The, the crowd uh, that Marcus Aurelius talked about was the same crowd that said, crucify him to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like the week before, the same crowd is blessed as he comes in the name of the Lord. Like a week later, a crowd is saying, crucify him. So we can't submit our truth to the crowd for a popular vote. And I've never, I mean, with social media right now, I've never seen a time where it's more important uh, for us to remember that the truth is the truth, whether it's popular or not. Fun fact: Did you were you were you a fan of the, the movie Gladiator? Uh, I, I yes, yeah, actually. He's a, he's a major Marcus Aurelius is a major character in that. Movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. I don't know that I'd connected that dot till just now, but that's right. That's where it came <laughs> out of. Yeah. Another fun fact: In uh, Justin Martyr, one of the early church fathers' letters or books, he actually includes a letter from Marcus Aurelius, who says that he had an encounter with the living God that opened up the heavens and water came and 
So to say that he's a Christian would be a stretch. Did, was that quote pulled from somewhere specific? Uh, the, the quote itself, I well, I got it out of the book uh, Dominion. Okay, but it's just it's some of Marcus Aurelius's writings that they pulled gotcha. out of. And, and the book Dominion, by the way, let me pull it up here on my Kindle. If you if you're not if you've not read this, oh my gosh, uh, it's basically a history of uh, the world based on how Christianity has shaped it. Tom Holland is the author. The book is called Dominion. And his case is basically this, that what you and I exist in today, most of what we have, women's rights, okay, even uh, even the fact that slavery is a sin, like all that, that was not uh, intuitive to humans. That came because of Christianity's influence. Slow. Wow, yeah. And he makes a case that had secular humanism have won the day, had Marcus Aurelius won the day, that our society would look 100% different. So when you hear the word Judeo-Christian values, that's what it's coming from. And this right. guy makes a killer case. He goes all the way back to Babylon uh, and, and how humans were and all the way up. So that's, I, I'm at the part now where he's talking about Rome and the influence that Christianity would ultimately have on that, but also making a case for it had Christianity not made it in there. How, how our lives would look very, very yeah. different yeah. without it. So that was the sixth seal. Oh, yeah, we got to get to the seventh seal. And so after six is seven. So the seventh seal, oh, yeah, um, which is in uh, Revelation chapter eight. Yeah, so if you're, if you're new to Revelation, every once in a while, it's just like God knows, hey, you're going to need a breather. There's been a whole lot of uh, blood <laughs> billows and boils here. Take a break. <laughs> um, Would you say blood billows and, and boils? boils? Like the three B's of Revelation. Yeah, the, the oh, blood, the billows, good. and the boils. Uh, it's like parallel paths. So this is actually going, is, chapter seven is actually going on at the same time in heaven while this is going on on earth. But Really? But chapter eight then is, oh, and meanwhile, you know, back at the ranch. The seventh seal is uh, is opened. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite verses. Really? I just verse uh, verse one of chapter eight. I don't know. There's just something about it that is so mysterious and captivating. When mm-hmm. it, it just says, "When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven." Yeah. For about a half an hour. It's specific. Now there are those who say. Um, theologians, people that would say that that they know that there can't be women in heaven. Oh man! Because there's silence. Now I wouldn't say that. No, that I is not. I'm not saying that. Apologize to all I, the female I, podcast I listeners on behalf of Darren and Conduit Church. I, I don't believe that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that some people would say that's crazy talk. But, you know the, I you, can't you, believe you you said that. Yeah, well, I did. that's good. That's a good. That's right. a good joke. Well, it's a good joke. You know this, by the way, that Buzz Aldrin, uh, after he, this is not a joke, by the way. That's okay. actually true. After he was, he actually became a linguistic specialist and researched uh, men and women words. And he said this, uh, and I may get these numbers wrong, but that men speak on average forty thousand words a day. Women on average speak seventy thousand words a day, which is no surprise if you're married. Uh, but now this is the joke, but this is Buzz Aldrin's joke, not mine. So you can, I mean, I can say he's passed on, so you, you can just be mad at him or whatever. But he said that the problem is, is that my wife waits to speak her 70,000 words until I get home. <laughs> and I've already spoke all 40,000 of mine <laughs> before I got there. So anyway, uh, th- that's clearly not what that means. Um, no. no, no, no. But it's fascinating <laughs> that there was silence in heaven. What yeah. is, just, just the thought of that is so interesting to me. 
Yeah, I, uh, I've heard several different ideas. One, one of my favorites comes from John Corson in Medford, Oregon, that just the idea that, because he's listening to the prayers of the saints. We're seeing that happen here in a few minutes, like mm -hmm. these prayers, these the censer, the, the altar, the prayers of the saints. And it's almost like God saying, shh, be quiet. Most praying, which is interesting to me, though, is because if you reverse engineer it, which I'd like to do on a lot of things, it means that it's not always silent in heaven. That means there's things happening. It's, it's oh, yeah, it's yeah. loud. There's there's it's noise or music or there's a what, lot going on. Like what is like what is the noise? What is right. for them to be silent means they have to stop making noise. So is that the yeah. praises? Is that is that the trumpets? Is that the holy, holy, holy? Like, it's just interesting. Yeah, all of that. Right. Yeah. And one thing's for sure, whatever that noise is, the most important noise to God, verse three, was the, the, the prayers of all of God's people. Right. Uh, chapter eight, verse three. Yes. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all of God's people on the golden altar, the throne, uh, the smoke of the incense. Uh, it's, it's really a beautiful picture. And that seventh seal is the completion and by the way i, I there though i don't i don't know this a hundred percent i think that when you see the trumpets you see the, the bowls these other judgments whatever i don't think there's like okay there's these judgments and then we go to the next one then we go to the next one i think these are all concurrent with each other because they all seem to describe a lot of the same stuff that's happening on earth but the seventh seal open if the wages of sin is death, then this is the face of the lamb appearing on the earth and nothing that is not holy can live in his sight. Um, it is the same thing of, uh, it's, it's just science, right? You go to the sun, you can't go to the sun because you can't live. So just to clarify, you're, you are saying that the six seals are happening, opening concurrently. I, I would say that that's a good question to put it that way. We, the sixth, the seven seals, the seven trumpet judgments, the seven bowl judgments, all, I think those are all concurrent Got it. at the same time. Now, is it someone like ticking them off? Or, I, I don't know sure. that other than that this is all happening on earth and it's all ultimately really the result of the seventh seal being open. Jesus saying, uh, I'm coming to redeem this. This is my property and we're going to fumigate. We're going to rebuild this thing, and the ways the only way to rebuild it is to burn it down and to start completely over. Uh, Isaiah, when it talks about the government shall be on his shoulders, uh, is such a hopeful thing. Um, I mean, if you remember when Israel wanted a king, God's like, "Oh no, 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 no! You don't want a king, right? Right?" And they did, and they got one, and now thousands of years later, hundreds of thousands, whatever kings later, we were like, "Oh, never mind, you were right. We didn't." Yeah, uh, want that, and he will be that the king. Like it's not he's you know he's the lamb that was slain. All those pictures are true of him. The the conquering king, the, the sword, the. But when you combine goodness and mercy and justice and perfection into one king, it's a, it's a good thing, not a bad thing. It's also interesting, and I may be just drawing this parallel, just because it seems obvious to me, but. On the seventh day, the Lord rested. That became the Sabbath. On the seventh yeah. seal, there's silence. Yeah, 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 right? I'd not thought of it that way. But the perfection of it, the completeness of it, right? The 
it's getting started. Yeah. I know this. The seven seals, uh, whatever they are, literally the metaphor of what they are is of Jesus coming to set everything right. You know, one of the downfalls of progressivism, secular humanism, is we think that by based on that, and again, you could you can hear people talk about this, whether uh, whether it's somebody like uh, Bill Maher or Joe Rogan or Christopher Hitchens or whatever, they'll talk about humans uh, as evolving, progressing, we're progressing, we're evolving, and they're either going to say it one of two ways. One is, well, of course, because we're evolving now, we're more sophisticated now. That's why we do this. Or they're saying it in a lament of like, I just thought we were further than this right now. Like. You'll hear them lament that a lot, like right now what's happening with the political thing, because it's, I just thought we would be beyond this by now. And the problem with that is it's not true. Like it is demonstrably <laughs> false. It, I mean, it's surprising that that's still a belief that's perpetuated after all these years of humanity. It surely feels like we're devolving. As a society. Well, yeah, right. I mean, every, you know, every few decades, you kind of get a, a light switch to go on. But we, I mean, if you could, if you're listening, feel free to email me if I have forgotten one. But can you think of a single civilization, empire, whatever you want to call it, that didn't do terrible things? I can't think of anyone. Right. Because there are humans. Now, did, have humans figured out how to do some things smarter? Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, we can fly. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a big one. Like, the Louis C.K. thing. I'm sitting in a chair in the sky. But that's that's technical technical advances. Right. But from a morality. Yeah. Ethically. Yeah. Because morals are not scientific questions. Mm -hmm. But we're trying to answer them with smart technology. Yeah. Funny, you were telling me about Elon Musk's new uh, little brain gadget thing. <laughs> brain gadget. Like, I don't know what you call it. Yeah. What is it called? It's the company and the project's called Neuralink. Um, it's one of his one of his projects, one of his many businesses and projects that he's got rolling right now. Uh, but Neuralink, um, he did a, a little uh, reveal this past week on what that's going to look like. And basically it's a chip implanted into the brain, uh, to help, uh, certain physical ailments that you may be, ha you may be having, um, but with a whole slew of things that it could be used for in the future. So you're, they're not like just duct taping this thing. No, they're removing, uh, I think it's a, an inch or an inch and a quarter from your skull and, implanting a, a chip uh, that has a rechargeable battery with a USB cable. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I think it's Neuralink.com. It's incredible. You go watch, go search it on YouTube. He just did the reveal this past week, maybe three days ago. Um, and you can watch the presentation. They're, they're currently testing it on hogs. And uh, it's working. I mean, you know, for the sake of that, it, the fact that it's hogs, it's the, the data they're getting is is working. But, but yes, I mean, they're trying to. The goal is to artificially uh, make more intelligent decisions for brain function in the body. That the computations can work forty to fifty times faster than a wow. human brain. So even in that regard, who Musk, who would believe in evolution? is actually saying, but there are apparently some limits. So where our evolution would be, then I'm going to make a little gadget that I'm going to 
wire. I mean, I was looking at it. Like, they're actually, there's like little wires that they apparently are, atta- I don't know what they're attaching to on the other side, but they're attaching wires inside your brain. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that at all, man. I'm not. Yeah, it's it's moving pretty fast. They are um, attempting to use a, a human um, test uh, implementation. Oh God! I wonder in, who signs up for that in the next within the next six months. Wow! I I think it would be amazing if he did. Uh, okay, that would be fun. I'd pay money for that. I just think that I remember the first iPhone, like, I, I, of course I lo- I was like enamored of it. Right? We were like, oh wow, this is amazing. I couldn't pay you to take a, the first generation iPhone. They don't work anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, how long before your Neuralink just hard restarts on you? Like, while you're, right. like, while you're driving down the road, is it just hard restart? And you're like, like, I don't know how that even works. One of the questions that the reporters asked about this was, can you, would you be able to at some point, and this is, you know, probably 10 to 20 years of technology advancing, maybe shorter. He has a very aggressive goal, but... One of the questions asked was, would you be able to save and recall memories? And without blinking, oh, geez. he said, yes, that that would be a benefit of a Neuralink device in the brain. Just as you would access pictures or video on your phone, the same concept that they're working on would allow you to recall memories. Who, who would sign up for that? Like, there's Because there's, there's some stuff I don't want to remember. Of course, there's some stuff I want to forget, so maybe that I don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, I can see the I can look. I can see the medical uh, benefits of that, especially sure. with dementia, Alzheimer's. Like, there's some benefit to it, but I guess my point in bringing it up is that humans are not evolving. Like, we're humans. And who makes those moralistic decisions yeah. if it's if it's you know 10% computation of an outside source? Like, that has yeah. to be programmed. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's true. When you go back to even like um, the the automatic cars, you right. know, there's that that uh, sort of social question of like, let's say you're driving your car and you're going towards a crowd of people, and uh, the only way that you can save and not run into them is to drive into a wall and it kills yourself. Like, what is the right thing to do? And that question is important because well, what is Elon Musk programming his car to do? And then the, the last question that the reporter, when I read this story about it, was asked was, okay, so the, 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 the right thing to do is to drive it into the wall and you kill yourself. And then the, the reporter says, okay, would you ride in that car? Right. And no, everybody's like, oh, no, 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 I would never do that. But the point is, is that's a moral question. That's not a scientific question. That's Correct. a moral question. And when it comes down to our lives here on earth, you know, maybe what Musk is trying to do is what Jesus said. Uh, the Bible tells us, I think it's First Corinthians, that when I have full, when I am, when I see Him, I will fully know, as I am fully known. Like that, we will have that kind of access to intelligence and to understanding. And it's just at this point when it says He says, "Your ways are not my ways; your thoughts are my thoughts are above your thoughts." Like He's not kidding. Like that's actually a true thing. And the, and the, I guess. Like the, the inadequacy of a secular humanist ideology that we are evolving. Again, it, it's demonstrably false. Uh, whether you're in America or whether you're, because at that point, then, you know, if, if, we're, if we're evolving so well, uh, who gets to decide which country is the one evolving? Because I'll tell you right now, China is the one that's, uh, that's beaten us when it comes to technology and finances Absolutely. and military. So do they get to be the one to decide what evolved this? And I don't want, I mean, 
I don't want any part of that. Mm-hmm. And the idea that the, the long arc of history bends towards justice is a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful sentiment. It's Martin Luther King's words, and it is demonstrably false because it, history has not bent towards justice. Jesus bends towards justice. And if you are not a follower of Christ, you either have your head in the sand or you're a nihilist. There's really no middle ground. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to put your head in the sand and be full of hope because these seals being opened are leading towards Jesus recreating a new heaven, a new earth where all the tears are wiped away. The sun is not beating down any. It's almost like you can read that language of uh, Revelation 7. There'll be no more tears. You're not going to be in the sun anymore. Like that's Adam in Genesis 3. The the ground is going to like war against you. You're going to be in the hot sun. You're going to be thirsty. You're going to be. And Jesus is saying, but all that is now going to be set back to normal because sin and death are going to be taken care of for ever and i would say to anyone listening right now uh in these last two minutes i have why don't you receive that i mean is there a good reason to try to continue to rage against this dark world um i mean maybe you're young and you think uh i can protest this up and i can burn down enough stuff that it'll be we can fix it now Again, I might be wrong, but I can't think of a single time in history where that has actually uh, worked because uh, it just it doesn't. Uh, Jesus coming back will fix it all. And what do we do until then? Do we just sit and do nothing? No, no. We get to go and to build those little outposts of the kingdom of God. When Jesus said in Matthew 25, feed and, and give water to and, and visit in prison. And he's talking about this language of what's going to happen one day. That's how it's going to be in heaven. So when we go and we say as uh, in earth, uh, as it is in heaven, that's not just some euphemism or some nice nebulous thing to say. That's saying to children in Uganda, uh, the systems of this world, the way it is on earth is that you're not worth it. We're not going to give water to you. We're not going to give you clean water. We're not going to give you food. That's the systems of this world. But when a church, a Jesus people go and drill a well, build a school, it says that they glorify, they'll see your good works and glorify God because they're saying, oh, because Jesus saw me. For this moment that there's an outpost of Eden, it's a glimpse of Eden. It's a whisper of what is to come in, 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 in in the new kingdom. That's what we get to be a part of. And I hope that uh, if you're listening, you're a Christian right now, be a part of that. Be a part of not letting your love grow cold. Uh, and the way to do that, right, return to your first love because Jesus is going to set this stuff right. It is not you, you. Look, I'm not Holy Ghost Jr. The minute I retired that role in my life, it was the most freeing thing I've ever done. Occasionally, I jump back up on the throne and told Jesus to scooch over. I want to handle this. And that never ends well. Uh, I would encourage you to do the same. Don't uh don't let, let Jesus handle that and let us handle what we get to handle, which is the love part, not the burning down, not the destruction of, but the building up of the least of these brothers of mine. Uh, if you are someone who is not in that relationship with Christ, 
I would encourage you, I would implore you, don't wait around until Jesus returns and the seven-year tribulation happens and these seals are being opened. You don't have to, you don't, I wouldn't want to. I, I can't even think of, I couldn't think of any good reason to want that. And all you have to do is literally just receive the work of Christ. Say, your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done. Receive the work that he did of paying the penalty that we learned in, in early Revelation, that he, he paid for your sins with his blood. And all you have to do is to receive that. Uh, who will stand? Revelation 6 verse 17 says, those of us who stand in, in the, the righteousness of Christ. So I, I encourage you to do that and email us at info at conduitchurch.com if you want someone to pray with you. And, and to kind of circle back to where we started in the beginning, um, if you are interested in supporting some of the work that's, that's being done um, with Operation Freedom, you can, you can give online at the church website, conduitchurch.com. Just select the, the give button in the upper right-hand corner. You'll see a drop down there for Operation Freedom. And um, like Darren said, 100% of those funds go directly to that cause. Yeah. I mean, think about that. You put Even if it's 50 bucks, whatever, you, enough of us do that together, you know, within a month of you donating, within two weeks of you donating that, some family on the other side of the world. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. Be, uh, it's really, so I hope you, I hope you consider doing that. Thank you uh, for listening. You have uh, frittered away another hour of your life. I hope that this was meaningful uh, to you today. Uh, and I pray that, uh, that God is speaking to you wherever you're listening to this and that you will uh, be that conduit of Jesus, uh, the spirit to the community in front of you, to the world around you. Uh, and if you're in Nashville, one more reminder, come hang out with us on a Sunday. We are live uh, 830, 10 and 1130. If you want to work uh, online, as we said, just conduitchurch.com. Everything's right there. You can watch us 10 a.m. Central Time every Sunday. So, Mo, thanks for being with me, bud. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening. We will uh, catch you next week.